Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 1 today. Uh, This year, we're going to look at the subject of what it means to take up your cross. What does that mean? In In our comfortable padded pews in West Virginia... Uh, do, do, do we get what that means? We, we are very blessed to live in the United States, I believe that, uh, a free country, freedom of religion. Uh, we don't suffer for being Christians uh, compared to what most of the world does. Uh, we're, not, we're not persecuted. So what does that mean to take up our cross? We're going to spend a few weeks in, in 1 Timothy studying Paul's instructions to Timothy, a young pastor in the, in the early church. His instructions to Timothy are on proper ways to conduct oneself in the church. And what he begins with in chapter 1 is proper teaching. Sometimes, sometimes we forget that there is such a thing as proper teaching. The, the Bible is good. We agree upon that, that the Bible is good. Isn't that enough? There, there is a proper way to teach it. There is a proper way to study. And so I want to read from 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and to Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. See, there is a right way, Paul says, to, and, and, and there's a wrong way to deal with God's word, to, to, to take his law and to teach it. So I want to look at that today. I think the first thing we need to say is that sound doctrine is essential 
Today, today, doctrine is an ugly word. We don't, we don't like that word. It conjures up images of, uh, of being overly religious. We, we might compare it to the teachings of the Pharisees and, and, and the teachers of the law back then. Um, something that scholars debate about but isn't practical. But notice what Paul says. Sound doctrine is important. It's vitally important. It's necessary. The first thing that Paul tells Timothy right out of the gate in this letter, 1 Timothy, is teach sound doctrine. Get, get, rid, of, get rid of the false doctrine. Fix the issues at the church. So, so what is doctrine when we get down to it? It's the bits that we, that we teach that matter. Uh, we, we don't teach what color Jesus' eyes are. It doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't matter. That's, that's not an essential bit. Um, that, that part doesn't save us, does it? That's, that's pretty minor stuff. Uh, it's not part of our doctrine. You, you, I don't, you can believe whatever you want to on that, and we don't care. Uh, you, you can, you have the, there, are, there, are things in the, there are things that we have the freedom to believe. Should, should communion come before the sermon or after the sermon? The Bible doesn't say, and, it, and frankly, it doesn't matter. Uh, if you've been to a church that does it after the sermon, that may be a preference of yours. That's allowed to be a preference of yours. You may think that's a much better idea. It, it, the Bible doesn't comment on that. That's not doctrine. Doctrine reflects the important, necessary bits. Jesus died for our salvation. That's essential, right? You can't, you, you can't call yourself a Christian and, and leave that out. Now, there are other important bits that the Bible takes the time to talk about that matters. I, I think teachings on baptism matter. The Bible, not, from Acts through, through to, the, to the epistles of Peter, there are, there are doctrines about baptism. And I think baptism matters. I don't think it's an anything-goes kind of doctrine. Um, uh, how the church functions with elders and deacons, uh, that, that matters. I don't, I don't think it's anything goes. I don't think we can just make it up and say, well, we know the Bible talks about elders, but it doesn't matter. You know, we can, there's what the Bible says and there's what we do and it's all the same thing. I disagree with that. If, if the writers of the Bible took the time to write about it, then I would think that it matters, and that's what we mean by doctrine. But Jason, can't anybody... Can, the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Can't everybody just do their own thing and have their own version of the faith, and can't that be good enough? Uh, do we have to agree on everything? Again, doctrine is the essential bits that we, that, that we need to agree upon, or we're not in the same faith. You know, the cross. We're talking about taking up your cross to follow... The cross is essential. We, we need to agree on that. Doctrine is the essential stuff. Um, in, if there are things that God left his inspired writers to write about, I, I think it, it's important for us to discuss these and, and, and to work our way through these. Um, we, we, we toss out doctrine as a as a side interest of scholars, we toss that out at our own risk. I think that's dangerous to do that. This letter is addressed to Timothy, but it was to back up Timothy's authority in the church, specifically Ephesus, 
But in, in the early church, Paul was backing up Timothy's authority to lead. And so the early church might say, Timothy, who are you to tell us what to teach about, what to do? And Timothy could say, well, here's this letter from Paul. Paul says, I'm supposed to do this. In, in Ephesus, we read in verse 7, people wanted to teach, but they didn't know what they needed to know to teach. That doesn't mean that they should abandon the dream of teaching if they felt called to teach. Paul doesn't say, oh, they're not allowed to teach. His point was they need to be qualified to teach. Right? I mean, we get that in every other category. We don't want people who've never graduated high school to be high school teachers, college professors. That you know, they, they need to be properly qualified. None of us want to go into surgery and then find out that the person doing surgery on us didn't graduate med school. They faked it. None of us would want that. We want people qualified. It is no different in the church. Your body will grow old and one day you won't have it anymore, right? This body we can't hang on to. Our spirit, our soul that will live with God for eternity, well, that matters. That lasts forever. Those who nourish our soul, our, our, our spirit, we want them to be qualified to do so. We live in a world that is in desperate need for proper teaching in the church, out of, out of the church as well, right? People have problems because they have not been taught. And too often these days, we are abdicating that. Let somebody else do it. Let somebody else teach. Let somebody else, you know, we're, we struggle in church. Churches around the country, we struggle to have enough people who want to teach Sunday school and who are qualified to teach Sunday school. Everybody says, oh, I, I can't do this. I'm not, I haven't learned enough. And if you have an entire church full of people that say that, the future of the church is, is in trouble. Proper teaching leads to proper students become proper teachers in their own right one day. So how, our struggle is how do we get people, right? How do we get people to listen to proper teaching? How do we get people to care about proper doctrine? It, do, do we? Do we care about being right with this book? Or do we only want it to kind of pat us on the back and say keep up the good work? Because it's not the same thing. A lot of times, we just want to be comfortable. But the Bible isn't meant to make us comfortable. Not initially. We're comfortable when we're right with it. But if we're wrong, I mean, Jesus calls himself a stumbling block. That's not a comfort zone. The Bible should make us squirm sometimes. It, it should make us uncomfortable when we realize that, and when we realize that we're not right with, with God. And none of, us are, none of us are born perfect. None of us are... are are always right with God. The, the Christian life is a, is a life of fine-tuning and finding those places that we were blind to where, where we're not living right with God and where we want to be more Christ-like. And that should, that should make us uncomfortable. That's okay. Um, so, sometimes un, being uncomfortable is, is a good thing because it can remind us where to be in a, in a better place. In the end... If, if I only follow a Jesus that all, that all he does is pat me on the back and say, keep up the good work, that he doesn't challenge me to be better, such a Jesus is hollow, he doesn't satisfy our real need, and he doesn't really matter. 
sound doctrine will encompass the glorious gospel of the cross. An ugly, I mean, again, the cross, we, we clean it up for churches, we make it smooth and glossy and, and put varnish on it and put it up in a building, and, and the real cross was ugly, wasn't it? It was, it, it was a couple of pieces of wood, bloody, with a corpse on it. Um, the true cross is a necessary doctrine, but it's an ugly doctrine. Be- beautiful as it is our salvation, but, but we recognize that that beauty is, is, is ugly to the world. I mean, and it, and it should be. Jesus died. We don't, we don't want to gloss over that. Sound doctrine is how we find the real Christ, and the real Christ died a torturous death for us. We don't want to, we don't want to whitewash that. Sound doctrine is essential. Uh, and, and sound doctrine is the gospel of the cross. We just have to say that. Um, Ted Levitt made the comment, people don't buy quarter-inch drill bits. They buy quarter-inch holes. That's the purpose of a drill bit. Um, so if, if you're interested in buying drill bits, you're missing the point. The, the, the point of a drill bit isn't the drill bit, is it? The point of the drill bit is the hole that it creates. Everybody's an expert in something, right? Every, every, you, you guys know things that I don't know. Experts in things that may seem obscure to me or unknown to me. Um, uh, people know things about sports, and hunting, and fishing, and who who won the 1963 World Series? I don't I don't know, and I don't know that that'll ever matter to me. But there's somebody in this room right now that knows the answer to that, um, and and it's amazing the things that we are are experts in. Um, there's something in our nature that loves to just throw ourselves into our hobbies and become experts in these obscure little bits that are fun to us. May not be fun to anybody else. I mean, you guys, I talk about it all the time. You guys know I like my comic books. Um, I, I I enjoy the 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 fifty plus year continuity of Marvel comics of Captain America and Iron Man and Spider Man. I I enjoy that. It's fun. No, I don't expect you guys to enjoy that. There's something fun about that to me. Very very yeah. It's it is absolutely escapism. Uh, sure, it is. There are there are things in the world I don't like to deal with some days, and I get stressed out about it. Anytime you watch the news these days, it stresses me out at least. And, and it's nice to be able to just kind of shut that off and, and kind of go into a little bit of a fantasy science fiction world for, for a bit of a reprieve. We, we enjoy studying so many little hobbies and, and throw so few people. But this matters. So few people want to throw themselves into the Bible these days. And that's a problem. Um, it... it it was the problem. It was a problem of sound doctrine. Was a problem back in the days of Paul and Timothy. It's a problem today. Um, Paul specifies that these false teachers were throwing themselves into weird little bits. The number you already know the answer to this. Which book have I had requests from to do a Bible study on more than any other book? Yeah, Revelation. People, you know, as a, as a good friend of mine, back a, a Catholic priest back in Illinois named Gary said, um, 
uh, this, this Father Gary said, God put it as the last book in the Bible for a reason. Uh, his, you read the other 65 books before you try to tackle that one. And yet, and yet people want to stick, uh, skip to the end. They want to skip to the fun one with dragons and four horsemen and, and the one that feels kind of science fiction-y, right? And they, and they, and, and they, and they want to skip that other, that other stuff. But, but that other stuff is actually important and it matters. And, and we want to skip to the fun bits. And we, and we don't want to work through the parts that actually matter a bit more. Be, we should be experts of Jesus. We should be experts of the Gospels. Not, you know, that, remember that prayer of Jabez kick? Talk about, talk about taking like two or three verses of the Bible and running just ridiculously far. I'm not saying Jabez doesn't matter. How much does he matter? He matters worth about four verses. That's about all he, that's about all he is. Um, we, 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 in Paul's day, in Timothy's day, people were taking little bits like genealogies and running way too far with them. And Paul tells Timothy, tell them to knock it off. Don't, don't take the obscure bits and run too far and extrapolate doctrines that are, that, that are kind of meaningless um, Legendary tales of, of speculation. Uh, there are things that matter in the church, but they're not the point. Church finances, the music, church programs, kids' events, social functions. These are important, but they're not the point. They're good things in the church that can become bad things when they become the central things. The central point of the church is the gospel of the cross that Jesus died for our sins, and nothing else matters in comparison. The, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. In, in, in Sunday school today, uh, Logan and I were, were reading through Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees got mad that his disciples picked grain, and how dare they pick grain on the Sabbath day and eat it? How dare Jesus heal a man in a synagogue on the Sabbath and Jesus' point to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law is, you guys missed the point. Um, that, that Following, following the, those arbitrary rules that you guys have set up when someone needs healing, and I have the ability to heal them, is you guys have made, and he says, man was made, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We can get caught up in church programs and, and details and, and Weird, obscure, spending spending months and months and months only. I mean, there are televangelists that spend months and months and months just on Revelation, and they never really focus on anything else. But that's not the true gospel. The cross is central. Devote yourself to Christ. Not to the angels and Jabez and all the other things that aren't central. Be an expert on something that matters. The cross matters. Nothing else matters. Nothing else offers us salvation. Now, somebody's going to say, Jason, the Bible is a tricky book. It's a hard book to get through. I'm not sure that I can do it. We do equally hard things on everything else. You don't, this book is where you don't have to be an expert tomorrow. This is a hard book to get through in a year. To read this book in a year, you would have to read about five chapters a day. That may be a lot for some people, depending upon, upon where you're at in your reading. You don't, there's nobody that says you have to read it in a year. You can take five years. Read a chapter a day. You can take longer than five years. If you, but this is a book worth studying because it is the roadmap to find God. What we get out of this book is what we put into it. 
We should study what matters. Proper teaching and sound doctrine keep us connected to Christ, to the real Christ, the real Jesus, not our own made-up version, which is the problem with our world. Our, our, our version treats, our, our world treats Jesus as something of an allegory, that he can be reinterpreted for you, for me, everybody can make their own version of Jesus and good enough. Jesus was a real guy who came to earth. The cross was real. These are real events. And and the real Jesus and what Jesus really said matters. It's not up to us to reinterpret. When we lose the real Jesus, then what we're left with doesn't matter. Um, and, and the real cross. And so when he says, take up your cross, do, do we want what he really meant by that? The devil doesn't care if you go to church. He doesn't care about Religio- religiosity is I think that's a word um, he doesn't care about your religiousness uh, he he just doesn't want you committed to to God through Christ a relationship with God uh, we we're in, we are an entertainment society we get involved in all kinds of useless stuff things that distract us and the devil doesn't care if, if religion distracts you either. He doesn't care if you come to church and get distra- and, and treat this like a social program, like a hobby. The church that teaches the true gospel has an advantage, no matter how small, over a church that has hundreds or thousands of members, over a church with millions in the bank account, because it's the real church that's drawing close to God. Let me be clear. Paul is not negative about teaching and doctrine. His point is if you teach sound doctrine, it'll work. People will draw closer to God through Jesus, and they will have true life. If if we trust God for what matters the most, and the cross matters the most, then that will lead us to worship, that will lead us to a healthy relationship with God in the church. Verse 11 um, Paul said uh, uh, that the gospel conforms to, uh, he he says, uh, sorry, let me get, the law is good uh, for what conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which he entrusted to me. Um, the The glorious gospel is the message of the cross. It's the chance to take up the cross. That's what the gospel is. But, but, Having said that, that sound doctrine is essential, that the cross is essential, Paul reminds us that love is essential. And we dare not forget that. Um, the goal of the command, Paul's command here, God's command through Paul, is love. Uh, verse 5, the goal of this command is love. And just That's a direct quote. Hear what Paul is saying. God loves us. And because he loves us, he doesn't want us to be deceived, whether by false teachers or by self-deception. The false teachers wanted to go down these, these rabbit holes of their own interests and soapboxes and false trails, our own hobbies. But, but all of those side things, that, that, they're not the point. It, it's selfish. Teaching is not about wielding authority. It's not about choosing the curriculum you want to cover. 
It's not about showing off how much you know. It's supposed to be about showing the love of God to the church, to His church. God's love for His flock by the sacrifice, uh, and, 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 and we're called to teach. To teach people, teachers are called to teach people what, what they know, to sacrifice their time, their, their focus, to teach God's flock what, what God wants them to know. You know, I, I said earlier that you get, out of the, you get out of Scripture what you put into it. And, and that applies to the church. You, you get out of the church what you put into it. I've said that before. For those that teach about fringe elements, the Bible becomes a fringe movement cult-like in the way that it operates. For those that teach because they want power, then the church becomes a power struggle, and that's not healthy. But for those who teach from love, the church is a place to show the love of God and then to receive the love of God. Love is the key. God showed love to Paul, and Timothy is to show God's love to the church in Ephesus that he's teaching at. Love is got to be integral to teaching sound doctrine. Love and truth go hand in hand. Otherwise, it's just power and distractions. Uh, to, to be a Christian, you have to know Christ. I mean, that, that, that should be basic, but we sometimes need to be reminded. It's not what you think. It's not what you, what, what's in your head. Being a Christian is not what you're thinking about. Uh, it's, it's more than that. It's displaying Christ. Not thinking about Christ, but displaying Christ in all of our life. Uh, Christians are loving people because Jesus was love. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are gifts. Teaching is a gift. Preaching is a gift. Love is not a gift. Everybody is called to be loving. Those who display Christ show that they know him. Um, that applies within these four walls. It applies when we leave from here and share the love of God with the world around us. Here's the blessing of good teaching. Proper teaching is a way to extend the grace of God. Paul was given grace by God. He didn't deserve to teach the truth of God, especially after persecuting Christ's church. But God showed Paul grace by forgiving him and allowing him to teach. We are given grace. We don't, we don't, deserve, we don't deserve to be entrusted with this book. And we may not feel that we're worthy of it, and, and, and that's actually healthy. We're not worthy of it, but grace is giving it to us and entrusting it to us anyway. I want to want to close with the second half of of First Timothy chapter one, verse twelve. I think Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that He considered me faithful, appointing me to His service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy, because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display 
his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now, to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these, and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Hold on to the faith, because the alternative is to shipwreck, right? Those are the two. That's what's... Hold on to it, because if you don't hold on to it, you will be shipwrecked, which is synonymous, from what I gather, with what happened to Hymenaeus and Alexander, examples of shipwrecked faith who have been turned over to Satan. Doctrine matters. Now, what I'm not saying is everybody's called to be a teacher. Let me be clear on that. What I am saying is that because sound doctrine matters, um, as Christians, when we are taught, we don't get permission to just let our eyes glaze over and say, these are things that don't matter. I'm okay with this. I don't need teaching. Paul's point is that teachers need to teach truth because the students, the, the church in Ephesus, the church, needs to care about what they're being taught, and that's important. Sound doctrine matters because without it, we can ruin our faith. We can be shipwrecked, and that's not, that's not Christianity. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 336. Somehow, proper teaching and grace have been separated in too many churches. Uh, grace without proper teaching becomes a permissiveness that I don't think God grants us. I don't think God gives us permission to have an anything goes, well, God saves us, so teaching doesn't matter. The other extreme, proper teaching without love, without grace, is a, a religion of, of a loveless doctrine that just demands obedience and, and doesn't care about people. The two, sound doctrine and love, are to be wed in, in a godly church. The gospel is the point of the church. Christ died for us because of his love for us. Other, other things are okay to discuss in a church, but, but they must never become the focus. The cross upon which Jesus died must stay to, to save us from our sins must stay the focus of the church, and when we lose that, we're no longer the church. If you have a decision, if you haven't accepted the cross, the cross of Christ, the true cross of Christ for salvation, if you haven't become a Christian by accepting Christ's sacrifice, uh, by being baptized into his name, I would like to talk with you about what that looks like after church. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.